Your old pal, the Crypt Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. And hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and I'm joined always by my lovely co-hosts, Maria and JR. How is everyone doing today? Doing good. Can't wait to get into this movie. It's one of my faves. I'm not lovely. It's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, like like Maria, this is this is one of my this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I'm pretty sure it's my favorite Halloween movie. I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, we're today we're talking about 2009's Trick or Treat, no O, just an R, and this movie is basically a horror anthology of four different stories that intertwine throughout the entire movie. Like characters from almost every story can be seen in the background of different parts of this movie. And what's awesome is when other characters are in the other stories in the background, it makes sense for them to be there even in the timeline. Like they kept everything chronologically ordered perfectly. And I was listening to an interview with a director and he said this was an absolute headache to edit because they had to make sure that, Everything because like not all not every story like plays out in one sequence. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this movie, like you said, is just the order it plays in so well. But I love how it takes place within a few hours, you know, on Halloween. Yeah. So like you don't have a lot of time frame because you know it's darker around that time period already during the year. So just knowing that this took place within four to five hours for all these characters is something I really like. I, re- I respect stories that have a time frame that's kind of tight because it just shows all the chaos happening. Another thing like what I like about this movie is that it only has an 82-minute runtime, so like it doesn't drag on. One of the things I loved about it was, as you mentioned, the anthology. And there's other anthologies, you know, holiday anthologies, I would say. Like there's the movie called New Year's Eve, and there's a movie called Valentine's Day. And this, to me, stands out above them because of the way it's done. It kind of resembles a graphic novel. And you actually, you know, in the title card, you see that. I love when you see those different stories um, how they're, the characters are intertwined. So you'll see parts of, yeah, as you mentioned, there's four different stories. So you'll see characters from the opening going through the story arc of the <clears throat> the high school bus and then the surprise party and so on and so forth and how they're all around the same time. I just, to me, extremely uh, cool. Yeah, there actually are comic books uh, and there is a, a, a graphic novel of of, of the stories and then there's a sequel graphic novel that was made due to high fan demand called trick or treat uh days of the dead and that is actually being it, it, uh, developed into a sequel movie for this uh and it, as f- as far as i've read it's still in development it hasn't been canceled i don't, I don't know when they're expected 
to release it, but it, it's been in development and it's it's based off of the graphic novel uh, sequel that, that they did to this. Also, if you don't want to get all the comics or the graphic novel individually, they just recently released for the uh, 10th anniversary an omnibus uh, collection that has all of the stories from this movie and then all of the stories from the sequel graphic novel into one book. Actually looking at it right now because I definitely snagged that up as soon as I saw it. It, it was uh, I think it's twenty dollars, twenty five on on Amazon. And you can also get it at Target as well online. With this also, as you mentioned, we're reviewing Trick Apostrophe Archery, not to be confused <laughs> with the nineteen fifty two Disney cartoon short Trick or Treat with Donald Duck, or the nineteen eighty two horror film Trick or Treats, or the nineteen eighty six horror film called Trick or Treat. So it's Trick Apostrophe Archery. Yeah. Got it. I'm getting flashbacks to when you guys had me look up host. And I was like, which host is it? <laughs> yeah, that's actually like why the name of trick or apostrophe or treat because they didn't want to name it trick or treat because there was already too many things with that name. Yeah, then also if you go like if you just uh, go through like voodoo or maybe uh, like if you have a Roku and you do a, a search for just trick or treat, you know, trick and then the OR version. You'll see not only these films, but you also will see a pretty good amount of t- TV shows that they have a, a um, an episode that's entitled Trick or Treat. That I mean, just real quick, there was like a Teen Mom episode, a Power Rangers episode, a Roseanne episode, Boston Legal. You know, there's so many. You know, because every TV show has a you know Halloween episode, at least one, if not two, depending on how how long the series went. So. Yeah, there's a lot of trick or treats out there. So, but there's only one trick apostrophe R treat. This whole thing is based off of a animated short that the director Michael. Uh, I apologize if I butcher his last name. Michael Poetry. I think I said that right. He produced an animated short uh, back when he was in NYU in 96 called Season's Greetings, and it's, it featured the character Sam that we see being stalked by a stranger throughout Halloween night. And he said he based the character Sam off of his love for Halloween, everything about everything that has to do with Halloween, even down to the, the, the more of what you would call the more sinister traditions of the past and everything. Yeah, for me, that was one of the cool things was as we go through this film, some of the dialogue, they talk about the traditions of Halloween as well as the, you know, the pagan festival of Samhain, which, I mean, I think just anytime you get a chance to talk about those historical references um, for anything in general, I think is really cool. And that's one of the things I really do um, loved about it was in two different instances, they talked about Halloween as well as the festival of Samhain. What I really like about this also is it follows like these Halloween traditions that you always hear about growing up and like me being like a huge Halloween lover. This these are like traditions that I've always followed ever since I was a kid. I know that when I take my my, my niece and nephew, when I take them trick or treating or when I was out trick or treating, that if someone didn't have their light on, then it means they wasn't giving out candy if they had, if they had their light on, then it meant you could walk up and trick or treat at, at their door. Or, you know, if you have a, a jack-o'-lantern lit, you're supposed to leave it lit throughout the entire night. And then, like, you know, your parents always tell you to check your candy and, and stuff like that. Well, with that, let's get right into it.
this is the one night. So don't forget your costume. All sorts of things. Roam free. The Halloween school bus massacre. Okay. So we open the movie up with one of those like old black educational films telling the rules of Halloween. And then we cut to, I assume, a wife and husband. Her names are Emma and Henry. And they're walking home from what I assumed at first was was a Halloween party. And the wife, Emma, she seems to be upset over something. And she goes to put out a jack-o'-lantern. But her husband, Henry, tells her that, you know, it's ancient tradition to keep it lit throughout the night. And she ignores him and puts it out anyway. As our friend Randy from Scream says... Big no-no. Horrible, horrible move. I was like, oh, that's going to come back. Ooh. <laughs> so Emma tells Henry that they need to clean up the decorations in their yard. I really like some of these decorations. It's all just, you know, just simple things. It's, it's not anything you can you really have to spend too much money on. And she tells them they need to clean up the decorations because her mother is coming in in the morning and she's going to freak if she sees the the yard. So the husband instead he wants to watch the nature tape. <laughs> I have to say something here because I popped okay. when this happened. For those of you who, if you never found a nature tape in your parents' room, <laughs> this is what parents did to hide their adult entertainment from their children. <laughs> you got a VHS tape, put in a dummy label, and put some bullshit name on it, like <laughs> Nature Services. Or you know how to fix sinks or something like that. No, for me it would had it would have been like antiques roadshow or something like that. Because I would have been, like, been like, ooh, nature is there jaws involved? You know, I would have been like pop. You know. <laughs> so as soon as I saw this, I I mean I popped hysterically because I thought this was the funniest shit ever. Because I mean I know I found my parents' fucking nature tape. So I don't know if you guys fucking <laughs> out there found their parents' nature services tape, 
And so, yeah, I I could not stop. <laughs> and another thing, too, as I was thinking about this, I was like, wait a minute. This fucking film was filmed in 2007. Who still has cassette tapes? I know, right? Also, like, from what we can tell, they don't have a kid. So. <laughs> that was the other thing. Who <laughs> yeah. Why are they having to? <laughs> Why are they having to do that? You're shameful, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, Maybe it's Steve's or something. I don't know. <laughs> so he's wanting to watch that, and instead of cleaning up, and so he starts, you know, putting on a pouty face, and so she finally caves and tells him to go inside and put on the tape, and she'll finish cleaning up, and then she'll be right up. Well, he goes in the house and shuts the door. She turns and says that she hates Halloween once again. Big no-no. So she's cleaning up decorations in the yard, and we see some more trick-or-treaters. Funny little note about this. So they filmed this movie really late at night to the point that they couldn't use kids as the trick-or-treaters. So they actually had to hire dwarves. So she's cleaning up decorations. She sees trick-or-treaters, and she notices one masked person across the street, and he's just kind of staring at her. And you know she's getting a little concerned about this. Until a car pulls up and it's just a teenager waiting for his friend. So everything's in the clear and all is well. Or is it? And it, it is not all well because the wife is then attacked by an unknown entity. And we actually know the entity as Sam. We cut back and the husband's waking upstairs and the nature tape is still playing. And he wakes up, looks at the TV, <laughs> smiles and goes back to bed. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. And so he's actually woken up because his wife is screaming because she's getting attacked. But then he wakes up, you know, sees the tape and just goes back dead and thinks that's what it was. Uh, Emma's being attacked under a sheet by Sam and she's screaming for help. And they end up uh, rolling out into the sidewalk and there's some kids walk by and Sam slits uh, Emma's throat with like a pumpkin sucker. But it's like bit and the way it's bit into it's in the shape of like a of like a, uh, a blade. He ends up, uh, when he slits her throat, blood splatters all over the inside of the sheet, and the kids run away. I love the visual of this, just how, how awesome it was, like, seeing the kids, uh, seeing the, the sheet, like, rolling, and all of a sudden you just hear something, and all of a sudden blood just splatters out from the inside. What's awesome, too, about this is during the making of this, they actually, like, boiled some of the blood to keep it steaming so that when this scene happened, when it hit, it would be steaming because it was, like, real cold at night. So after that, Sam drags Emma's body away, and he's grunting while he's doing this. I thought that was a a funny little addition. And Henry wakes up, and he walks outside, and he's calling out to Emma. And he doesn't see it, but a camera zooms out, and we can see a hand hanging from a tree with, like, blood dripping down. And we notice there's a wedding ring on the finger. And all of a sudden, a sheet behind him that looks like the Halloween decorations his wife had set up, it lights up. And he slowly takes off the sheet, and we see his wife's head on a stick with a lollipop in her mouth and blood and lights all over her, strong all you know throughout her mutilated corpse. And and we zoom out, and her head turns into a comic book like strip, and we open up with the title credits. Yeah, it was definitely a great mood to set in the opening scene. Um, I- prepared to kind of figure out like what the hell attacked her you know what i mean so there's already questions being raised what's going on um and her just disrespecting halloween in itself it's like okay this is how is this tone of this movie is gonna be i would i loved it the first time i saw this movie i just loved the first like what 10 minutes yeah yeah it was perfect that transition was so perfect too i mean i can't 
I can't explain enough how much I loved how with that transition from the head as a scarecrow or ghost going into that the graphic novel title card sequence. First of all, I would say how you know if you hate Halloween that much, how the hell do you have all those damn decorations? Right. And I'm That's like, even like, I mean, and I'll be honest, like if it was like if it was my significant other, I'd be like, bitch, you better get your ass out here and pick up your own, pick up all these damn decorations. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was a, it was homeowners association. They had to do it. Maybe. <laughs> oh man, when I first saw this movie. You know, as a big Halloween fan, I love the fact that it's people that are disrespecting the traditions of Halloween getting killed. Yeah, definitely. And it's like with uh, J.R. Cop, I think I love when movies do that, like with the spirit, um, with Sin City. I wish The Walking Dead would have done that where they had they show kind of like the comic book angles or even yeah. just like scenes they try to portray. But even if they would have like backed off and showed the scene on the page for like pivotal moments of seasons, it would have had this really impactful image because there's only some things you can capture in movie versus art. And this movie showcases how perfectly well they did that in the frames. I think also with this particular sequence and the person who was killed, I think it also sets the tone that anything could potentially be predictable because while individuals may not know, but this the, the character who was killed, her real name is Leslie Bibb. And for me, at the time, you know, I went back and looked. I remember she was in Crossing Jordan. Before the film was released, um, she was in man yeah as a journalist she also was in um hitch and talladega nights yeah as ricky bobby's wife I yeah think, uh, when you see her you probably think that she's gonna have like you know maybe a, like a i, I don't want to say important role but but definitely a significant role and then when you see that she's you know killed off in the beginning you're just like oh man this is going in the direction i probably didn't think it was gonna go talladega nights is where i know her from like, i remember like I was, like, I was watching last night, and I was like, man, she looks familiar. I was like, I know I've seen her in something, and it was, it was Talladega Nights. I saw her in the Midnight Meat Train. Oh, yes, yes, Midnight Meat Train. Yep, that's, that's how I remember her from. I, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I that's didn't good. even realize, yeah. So after we get through the opening credits, we, we see a kid dragging a candy bag down a crowded street. And we cut and we see like over in the corner of the screen, it says earlier in like the comic strip. And we see a group of four girls at a costume shop and they're trying on costumes. And there's a kid that's trying to peep in on them. And so this kid is actually uh, played by Quinn Lord. And he's actually the person who plays Sam throughout the whole movie. I did not know that. Yeah, they apparently did this part because they wanted him to at least appear in the movie before being Sam. This is my question, though, because is it like the entire movie? And the reason I said is there's certain scenes where other people take over the role. But like throughout most of the scenes where you see him, like just kind of in the background, he's the one under the suit. The reason I was wondering, because I saw that, too, and I was like, but they had already mentioned that with this being done a lot at night. You know, that there wasn't that you couldn't have children. But then when you see some of the scenes we're going to get to, it's like, but those yeah. are children, though. So that's yeah, the reason why I was wondering. Yeah, I was kind of it's kind of weird. I don't understand. I don't know why. If they couldn't do uh, kids for trick or treating, like why he could be in it and why he was in certain things. And I guess the way they they shot it, I guess, you know, it was he wasn't around those certain scenes. But uh, yeah, I, my assumption is that anything that all actual kids' faces, 
that it was occurring, like maybe on like on a sound stage or something like that. Yeah. We see the four girls and they're trying on costumes and the girls are Lori, Danielle, Maria and Janet. Lori, she's wearing a, a Red Riding Hood costume and she's played by Anna Paquin. I suck with pronouncing names, uh, but she's played by her who I first known her when she was rogue in the X-Men movies. But here in recent years, if you're a fan of True Blood, you'll know her as Suki. I hate you so much. Suki! Suki! Oh my god! I love Bill Compton! You know? Oh my god! (laughs) I had to. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that's (laughs) Suki! I'm leaving, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, one, of, one of the things that we'll, we'll find out later is that um, both the director Michael Doherty as well as Brewster and Bright Singer had they did work on X Men, and mm-hmm. so this isn't yep. this isn't the only character who was in an X Men movie that happened to be in Trick or Treat. I think that there was actually one more. There uh, was a, one more prominent character. Um, we'll yeah, find out and explain that is. But there's a, a few behind the scenes characters too, like um, the actual. The girl who plays her uh, plays Anna's sister in here, the one that's dressed as Cinderella, yeah. also was um, had a very minor had a, a minor role um, in X Men. Nothing that would be memorable, um, you know, just some behind the scenes type stuff or extra work. But there was, you know, you see, I think there was a total of like five or six from what I found. But only Anna, as well as the character, we'll get to eventually. Um, or the only two prominent characters that were in X-Men. Yeah. Or the X-Men, the original X-Men series, X-Men 1, 2, and uh, through um, whatever. Through Last Stand. Yeah, Last Stand. So, you know, Lori's dressed as Red Riding Hood. Danielle is dressed as Cinderella, and Danielle is Lori's sister. Maria is dressed as Snow White, and Janet is, is dressed as Little Bo Peep. So after they get their costumes, Danielle flirts with the cashier and invites him to a Halloween party after he gets off work, which he happily agrees to come to. And we cut to a kid dragging a candy bag earlier, and it's the kid from from earlier that from the opening scene that's dragging the candy bag down the street. And this is what I'm saying. Like I love that the fact that little small things like this intertwine throughout other stories. And he's dragging the candy bag, and he's just, you know, he's breaking all the rules of Halloween. He's smashing pumpkins, and he walks up to a house, and there's a sign on the house that says that they aren't home to please just take one piece. And he just grabs a handful of candy. And when he does this, a guy behind him, who we come to know as Steven, tells him that that can't be good for his diabetes. And we find out that the kid's name is Charlie. Steven tells him there's no point to even waste a lie on it and just sit down. And so they sit down on the porch and we cut back to the four girls uh, from earlier from the from the costume shop. And uh, Danielle is telling Lori she needs to try harder, be herself. And maybe she, if she did that, she wouldn't be a virgin at 22. And Lori tells her that she wants her first time to be special. So then Maria tells Lori to watch her and Janet and they walk over to these two guys who are loading in equipment and they flirt around and they invite them to a Halloween party as their dates. And then we cut back to, and so this is what I'm talking about. Like 
the editing of this movie, I can't imagine the headache that they must have went through editing these scenes into making them all fit chronologically. After this, we cut back to Steven, and he's sitting on the porch with Charlie, and Charlie's eating candy, and Steven notices that his shoes have like you know pumpkin bits on them because earlier he was smashing pumpkins. No pun intended. And Steven tells Charlie that his dad taught him that tonight was all about respecting the dead because this is the one night that the dead and other things can roam free. And he goes on and talks about the Halloween traditions of carving jack-o'-lanterns, giving out candy, putting on costumes, was started to protect us, but nowadays no one really seems to care. And this I I can't agree more with because, like, there's been many years where it's made me sad because – I've just slowly seen like less and less houses are doing trick or treating. I slowly see less and less people decorating and it just seems like the Halloween spirit is dying and it just makes me sad. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that's happening over here in Chicago too. Not a lot of people are doing it anymore. I don't know. Like I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if it was it feels like our generation was the last ones that really like got dressed up and went out there and did all these things and was excited to like, you know, decorate the house and go trick-or-treating, and it feels like the last, I don't know, six, seven years, maybe? So Charlie is eating candy, and all of a sudden he starts coughing uncontrollably, and Stephen is kind of chuckling and making jokes, asking him if he needs a root beer. Stephen then tells Charlie that there was another tradition that he forgot to mention. This tradition was probably the most important of all, and that was to always check your candy. To which then Charlie just vomits this massive amount of it was like a black liquid. I don't know. It was it was insane. And then he ends up just uh, just falling right over into Stephen and seemingly dead. That had to be a lot of cyanide. And how are you supposed to check candy for cyanide if he injected it? Like, come on, that wasn't fair. Yeah, like that. <laughs> to be, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> the I- he well, reeks so, of candy and pumpkins. He's not going to smell anything but himself at that point. Well, that's why they tell you that your parents have to expect it. What we'll find out as as he gets dragged into the house that he's been opening candies and injecting them with cyanide, and it's like that candy that candy is not sealed the way the candy is supposed to be sealed. So yeah, yeah, true. So then Stephen drags Charlie inside, but he's interrupted by some trick or treaters, and. He opens the door and they scream because he has blood all over his shirt. But then they begin to laugh as they're just kind of making a joke at his costume. And uh, one of uh, one of the trick treaters says, great costume, Mr. Wilkins. And they hand out uh, their bags and he gives them candy. Then they ask him for his jack-o'-lantern for a scavenger hunt. And he makes sure that they're not going to smash it. And they tell him that, no, they're just using it for a scavenger hunt. And so he agrees to give it to him. He then tells them Happy Halloween, as and they walk off, and then we see another trick-or-treater behind him, and that's Sam. He grabs one piece of candy, and he walks off. It's just the subtle things, like, it, yeah. I don't know why, I mean, Sam has really kind of been in the background for most, you know, throughout the film, and he does have interactions with a few characters, um, and this is, like, one of the first ones. Um, <clears throat> when I mean interact different than what we then you know what we would see with him as far as like in the opening sequence and just how he just goes up there and just takes the cami and the walks out with his burlap sack i don't i thought it was i i popped because i thought it was funny yeah 
Uh, also, I just, I just, you know, much respect to Sam for following the traditions and only getting one piece. He has to make his rounds. That's why he was like, he pops in so quick. Like, let me get my one because I got to keep walking, guys. It's only one, exactly. one time a whole year. Hustle. Sam knows how to trick or treat, okay? So after this, we cut back and Steven grabs, is grabbing a knife from the kitchen. And then he's dragging Ellie's body into a hole in his yard. But he keeps getting interrupted by his son, Billy. All right, so here's a, a cool little thing. I don't know if y'all noticed. Did y'all notice what Billy is kind of being dressed up as? No, I don't recall. He's Chucky. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. Was he Chucky? Oh, he's Chucky. he was. He's, he's wearing overalls. overalls. Oh, and he's got a striped shirt, and he's got a red red hair. Idiot. Forgot. Yeah. <laughs> this is just one of, of numerous other horror movie homages that uh, Trick or Treat plays throughout the whole movie. It's amazing. So Billy keeps interrupting him. And he's being really loud. And he tells him, you know, he's back from trick or treating. And Steven's telling him to, you know, g- go inside and he'll be inside in a minute. And then uh, Billy's telling him that he wants to carve the jack-o'-lantern. But Steven has to help him with the eyes because he can't do the eyes. And so, you know, Steven keeps telling him to, uh, you know, go back inside. And one of my favorite lines, Steven says for him to go back inside to quieten down and go watch Charlie Brown. He'll be inside in a minute. And then Billy says, Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> he walks off. This is one of the funniest things. It's just like, man, first off, you ain't got control over this kid. <laughs> Second off, okay, yeah, Charlie Brown might have some issues, but he's not that bad. I mean, the, the kid in this, the whole Halloween episode of Charlie Brown, he, gets, he keeps on getting rocks. He has like a hundred holes in his ghost outfit. Uh, I feel for Charlie Brown. I'm just saying, if that was me, I would have got my ass pulled by my parents. Right? Thank right. you. They brought right. me not. I, I would have never been able to use that kind of language in front of my parents. I'm 29, and it wasn't until like two years ago that I actually like started like cussing in front of my parents, even though I knew that I wouldn't get in trouble just out of just, you know, respect and stuff. I just never once cursed in front of my, in front of my parents until like, until like two years ago when I knew that they didn't care. <laughs> let me, let me give a quick play by play of how that would have went down. I would have been like, Charlie Brown's an asshole. Guess what he used to come on? No te mueves. Which basically my, my parents said, what the hell did you just say? Don't move. <laughs> but, but you're already gone and then when you're running they even get more mad that you're running yeah. and then and i'd be there waiting there for about you know the five minutes for my dad to come outside or my mom to come you know inside up the stairs and whip my ass with the bell that's what yeah. happened but you see this wouldn't happen with us though because the reason why you could tell why this guy had no control of this kid is the quickness in what he said it it's not the first time you mouthed it off like this what he, he, he had no say? quickness the quickness of what he said, how he did it. He delivered it the minute his dad said, go watch Charlie Brown. The quickness and his rebuttal to his statement, like, nah, bro, I'm not watching Charlie Brown. Like, yeah. he has no respect whatsoever for that, for his dad. So then after that, we go back and Stevens, he keeps trying to bury Charlie's body. But his neighbor's dog is barking and he won't shut up. So uh, Steven uses the shovel to cut off a finger from Charlie's body. And he throws it to the dog, and the dog runs away and gets it. Well, and I don't know how the fuck this even is. Charlie isn't dead, and he begins to come to, and Steven starts hitting him with the shovel. Unfortunately, Steven's neighbor is not too happy about the noise, and so he starts, and he walks out, and he says he'll grab his shotgun if, if he needs to. Well, 
we learn that his neighbor's name is Mr. Krieg. And so Mr. Krieg is played by Brian Cox. So Brian Cox, I know him from Super Troopers. I forgot all about that. Yeah, he's head of the police department. Yeah, that's Brian Cox. He's in Super Troopers. He's also in the movie. I don't know if y'all have ever seen Johnny Knoxville's The Ringer. He plays the uncle uh, in that movie as well. I was I was like watching. I was like, he looks familiar, and and that's where he, he's also he's also uh, William Stryker. Stryker, yeah. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. The guy, yeah, the guy that turns the into the fishy one. dude. Yeah, he breaks into water or something in the second one. Yep, that's oh, okay. Yep, that's right. Uh, and what's awesome is that. Uh, so uh, I know Jr. is probably pretty happy when he found out about this. So his entire character's look is based off of John Carpenter. Maybe it was like his later life because I'm I'm imagining characters in 1978 as well as what John Carpenter looked. And I'm like, I didn't see the correlation, but yeah. definitely later life. And, and I know the other part, too, that I also saw was um, the story we're going to we already kind of went through where we get to um, Anna's character. Lori is named after Lori Strode as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She is. And so, um, yeah, I didn't I, I, I read that and I just I didn't put two and two together. Like I said, I'm assuming it's. it's you know, John Carpenter later in life, not the 1978 version of John Carpenter. Yeah. So Mr. Krieg, ironically, he asked Stephen, what is he doing down there hiding bodies? <laughs> and so Stephen chuckles and he says that his septic tank is acting up. And Mr. Krieg says, oh, that must be what the smell is. And Stephen continues to stomp on Charlie, who keeps trying to get up. And this kid, he just will not die. I don't understand like how he's even alive in the first place. He like vomited up his uh, his guts earlier, and then he gets his finger cut off of a shovel, and now he's just repeatedly getting stomped. So after that, Stephen raises his shovel one more time to try and finish Charlie off, and he's interrupted by Billy again. Billy wants to carve the jack o' lantern, but you know he needs help with the eyes. And then Billy asks him if they can go to the parade later, and Stephen says that no, he has a date. This will play into a later scene. Billy gets upset and says they've never done anything fun. They never do anything fun together. And Steven suggests that they make caramel apples. And Billy's happy about that. And so then he says after they carve the jack-o'-lantern, but he has to be quiet. And then so Billy ends up walking off. Well, Steven raises the shovel once again to finish Charlie off. And he once again gets interrupted by Billy who reminds him that he needs help with the eyes. So Steven finally finishes off Charlie and he starts like, you know, mocking Billy as, as he's watering, uh, he's watering like plants on, on like the hole that he filled, right? Like he filled that hole pretty damn quick. Didn't he? Super quick lightning speed. Yeah. Like I was like, that's the hole, right? Like, holy shit. That's a, that was fast. As somebody who's dug holes and filled them up, not for human bodies. For I'll just send it there. Um, it's, it's they are sus. <laughs> Total sus. Kick them out. Kick them out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really not that difficult to fill. You know, it, the biggest issue. The biggest issue is to dig up a hole. Like you don't want to be the one digging the hole. Filling up a hole is is entirely an easier process um, to fill it full of dirt as as you know, whether I'm doing planting with trees and stuff like that, or, you know, we've had to, you know, unfortunately bury animal carcasses on our mini farm I had. 
um, digging holes is a bigger pain in the ass than than it is filling it. The more you know. The more we know. <laughs> Insert the SpongeBob GIF. So after Stephen finishes watering the plant, he starts walking in. And he walks up the porch and. He looks over to the side, and we see Mr. Clegg tapping on from inside his window, and he's screaming, help me. And Stephen just says, screw you, and walks off inside, and we see Mr. Clegg get tackled by an unknown attacker. Ooh, I wonder if this is going to play into a later scene. So we get inside. Stephen slams the door, and he, he's, he looks pretty pissed off to me, and he yells for Billy. Uh, at this point, when I first saw this movie, uh, I got a little scared for Billy. I was thinking he was going to kill Billy. I thought for sure Billy was going to be dead. I mean, especially when he's muttering, like, help me with the pumpkin, this and that. Like, you know, yeah. I yeah. thought for sure Billy was a goner. See, I must watch too much, like, Norman Bates type thing. I'm like, oh, no, he's grooming this child. Oh. Yeah, I saw I totally was like, why does he have a kid? There's no, there's no wife. There's no mom. You know, I'm like, so he has a child. Is this even his real child? Like, for me, I had yeah. this whole, like, idea of a backstory, you know? Yeah, like, it's his real, uh, it's his real child because he even mocks Billy because he says, uh, I wish mommy was still alive. And he goes, have me too. I, I don't know, well, man. Billy, I know. Too, Go ahead. No, see, the only thing I would also say that, too, is that he also, Billy asked his dad, if they can go to the parade. And he says, no, I have a date. So I'm like, oh, he's practicing on. You know, he's practicing killing children based on, you know, these, you know, that the two bodies that he buried. I yeah. said he's going to end his childhood. He's going to be a singular bachelor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking he was about to kill Billy. And so then he yells for Billy. He grabs a knife off the counter. He gets startled because Billy jumps out and scares him. After this, I was like, yeah, I mean, if Billy wasn't going to die beforehand, he's definitely going to die now. So they end up going downstairs because uh, Billy tells him it's time to carve the jack-o'-lantern. And... Stephen like is hiding the knife behind his back. And so this is why I was like, still like, okay, yeah, Billy's definitely going to die here soon. He goes over to where we assume the jack-o'-lantern is and he puts his hand on Billy's head and he raises the knife. And I was thinking, okay, yep. And he's about to put stab Billy in the head. And then the knife goes down and we turn it around and they spin it around on a plate and it's Charlie's severed head. And Billy is holding the knife and he's ready to looks like he's ready to carve it. And he tells Stephen one last time, don't forget to help him with the eyes. I love that whole ending. One of my favorites. And I like, really like maybe like, I was like, man, this this movie is dark. <laughs> so many dead people on their land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like it took me a few watches to realize that that was other, you know, holes of bodies that was in the backyard. Yeah, because I was just like, yeah, the only thing I could contribute to him being good at digging holes is that, you know, he's done it so many damn times <laughs> that he's become more of an efficient person at digging holes, you know, but it's like, yeah. I just love the dynamics between these two. Um, you know, how crazy the father is, how, like you said, he looked like he was going to stab his son um, and the inner dialogue that he's having, like, you know, do I really want this kid? Do I not want this kid? Oh, but this kid's like me. You know, and they enjoy yeah. and a little bonding time moment at the end of that scene, which is just like classic. And not to mention, this kid just looks evil. <laughs> like the way he just he had that like look at, at the end. And he's like, he's like uh, uh, don't forget to help me with the eyes. And, he, and the way he says it, you're just like, oh, man, this this kid is he's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like baby Dahmer all over the place right there. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, he's dressed as Chucky. So, <laughs> so after this, we cut back to the original trick or treaters that we saw at Steven's house earlier, and they're and they're trick or treating another house. Well, we find out their names are Sarah, Macy, and Chip, and they walk up to the door of this house and they uh, ring the doorbell and they open the door and the woman we know as Mrs. Henderson opens up and she's in a cat costume and there's a uh, quite the party going on inside her place. And that's all we're going to go with on that one. <laughs> she, uh, she offers the kids drinks and says it'll be their secret. And Sarah says, sure. But Macy ends up jabbing her in the side and, you know, telling her no thanks. And they ask if they can instead have her jack-o'-lantern. But they don't get to finish asking uh, because they see what's inside and get an unfortunate sight. <laughs> so the the people in the background in that party you know, that one dude's wearing a hot dog costume. So, like, keep that in mind for a later scene. So then we see three kids walking down the street, and there's another person that comes strolling up down the street, and he has a buggy with a couple pumpkins, and he's wearing a skull mask, and he stops at him. Well, Macy looks at the buggy, and she goes, that's it? The guy takes off his mask, and we get to know him as Schrader, and he says that someone went down the street earlier and was smashing all the pumpkins. Once again, stories intertwining. Love it. He says that they have three. Isn't that enough? And Macy Macy tells him almost. So then we cut to probably my favorite scene in this entire movie. Before I even knew what this movie was, I was posting this picture on, on, on social media because I just love the imagery. The kids walk up to a house and there's just jack-o'-lanterns lit up and covering every inch of the yard porch and just all over the fence line. And this is what we know as Rhonda's house. This whole picture of this house, I used to post this picture on like everything for every Halloween because I, I love this picture. This is like my ideal Halloween decoration. And I just, I just love the imagery of it. A girl in a witch costume comes out the door, and her name is Rhonda. The other kids are making fun of her, and they end up leaving, and Schrader stays with her, and they start kind of making small talk. And Schrader asks her if they carved all the jack-o'-lanterns herself, and she says that she did, and she also made her witch costume as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I just The scene itself, the unveiling of her house, it's a beautiful little moment where you get to see it. I'm like, yeah, yeah that, I, I would love to do that, too. The cinematography in this movie is just absolutely amazing. After this, we cut to a Halloween parade. We see like a back alley and there is a masked vampire and he has a girl and they're looking like they're having some fun. And the vampire ends up biting her neck and we see blood dripping down and she screams and runs out into the parade and she starts yelling for help. And she runs into the wife and husband from the beginning and they just kind of ignore her and say that she's drunk and they end up walking away. Well, she turns around and we see the masked vampire behind her and he leaps at her and we hear a scream. And then like the scene cuts to black and then we just reveal her body with blood all over and she's laid up against a wall beside other people. I don't know if they were dead or just unconscious. I, I put unconscious in my notes and uh, the vampire uh, kind of walks away into the crowd did they seem dead to y'all or were they just kind of passed out? 
I'll tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me when I was a high school senior for grad night at Disneyland and everybody was down like the Disneyland Main Street, like at four in the morning, all passed out. Like, I'm ready to go home and go to bed. I can't do this anymore. That's what it reminded me of with everybody else. They've been partying all, <laughs> all night and they're probably drunk. So after this, we're now at my personal favorite sequence of the movie. We get to the kids, Macy, Rhonda, Chip. Sarah and Schrader, they're all walking through the forest and they have a wagon and a buggy full of Jack. Chip turns to Rhonda. He says that she must really like Halloween. And she responds, you mean Sam Heen, also known as All Hallows Eve, also known as Halloween. Predating Christianity, Sam Heen was celebrated on the one night between autumn and winter when the barrier between the living and dead was thinnest and often involved rituals that included human sacrifice. And then Chip is kind of, you know, shocked. <laughs> so the kids, uh, they end up uh, strolling along. And well, hold on, though. Hold on. Real what? quick. Yeah. You skip my favorite part. Afterwards, when she, when Rhonda realizes, like, that the boy doesn't know, like, anything looks like crazy, she follows, she follows up and says, I like your eye patch. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I, I like that popped for me because that's like, that's something I would totally do. That's something I would totally do in a situation where. Like, I'm explaining something about either Halloween or wrestling or something like that, and they look at me like you're crazy. I'd be like, oh, that's a good shirt you have on or something like that, just to kind of, like, recover. You mean yeah. going back to uh, the one kid, it's like, how much do you like Halloween? I like turtles. <laughs> it goes back to yeah. that thing. And, like, the kid yeah. just throws up turtles. I'm like, oh, that poor child. Forever, I mean. <laughs> so the kids, they end up getting to – what appears to be a rock quarry and Schrader asks Macy why they are here. And Macy tells them that they're there to pay the respects to the dead. And then Chip asks if someone died there and Sarah interrupts and she asks if this is where the school bus, but then she's cut off because Macy tells her to shut up and Chip says the Halloween school bus massacre. And Macy says not to call it that. And Schrader asks what she is talking about. And Sarah goes to tell it, but then Macy Tells her to shut up, says she'll tell the damn story. And Macy is a bitch. Kind of the, every this whole group though, you know, minus Rhonda. Yeah. And and the youngest one was the little one. A chip. Yeah, he didn't deserve yeah. this. Macy's a real life Angelica for Margaret's. So then we cut to it's uh, thirty years ago on a late Halloween afternoon. We see a school bus uh, going down the street, and the school bus has eight kids uh, on the bus. And these kids are all troubled. It doesn't ever say if they're like disabled or anything, but that's what I assumed uh, it was. So the bus driver ends up, it shows him sitting there at a stop sign. And instead of taking his normal route, he ends up taking a different route, as the narrator says. And there is a kid in a vampire costume that keeps repeating a wrong way over and over as the, the driver is driving. And the the bus passes by a pumpkin patch, and we see Sam on the side of the road looking looking onward at the bus. Well, we learn from the narrator that the driver was paid off by the parents who have grown tired of caring for the kids, and instead he's going to drive the bus to the rock quarry and end up t- taking care of the kids. The bus stops at the rock quarry, and the driver puts it in park, and he ends up pulling out some candy and he walks by one one by one and he ensures that they're all strapped in and he gives them all a piece of candy if they're strapped in well the vampire kid ends up escaping his cuffs and he runs to the bus and he starts it 
and he puts it in gear because he's he keeps repeating he wants to go home the driver goes to run to the seat to stop him but he gets tripped by one of the kids and the vampire kid ends up driving the bus off the cliff into the water at the bottom of the rock quarry we see pumpkins and masks floating in the water and Macy says that the driver was never heard from again, but then we see the driver emerge from the water. And then Macy says that the jack-o'-lanterns that they all have represent the eight victims, eight lost souls. And their plan is to leave them by the lake as an offering to the kids who died. So Schrader ends up, there's an elevator that goes down and Schrader starts an elevator. But unfortunately, they can only go three at a time. And so Macy, Schrader, and Sarah go down. But Rhonda and Chip stay up, and Macy says she'll send the key back up as they head down, and then we fade to black. What do you think of the school bus massacre, JR? It was a very interesting story. There's a lot of malice. Like, I couldn't imagine being that school bus driver be like, and parents are like, oh, we want, we want you to kill our kids. And it's just like, are you, that's just insane to me, which makes it, I think, you know, great for this Halloween story because it's literally pure evil to have that mentality. I think it was a great addition to this uh, anthology because each story is very unique in its own way. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we talked about in when we covered Halloween, there's like two golden rules in movies. You don't kill children and you don't kill animals. And for this, it's just like they went there and, you know, now you're suffering as we as we get towards the end of the film, not this this story, but towards the end of the film, you have to pay for your decisions and suffer the consequences, and that's what's going to come from this. Yeah. Um, I also liked a lot from the scene. Um, just the vintage look to the Halloween costumes and masks that the kids had. Yeah. It just plays onto what like Halloween used to be back in the day, where it was more of like that very creepy, off-putting undertone to it. It wasn't as flashy and flamboyant as sometimes it could be now. Um, so it already gave this unsettling feeling um, that these poor kids were dressed up to do something despite their parents disliking them, you know, and they're they're excited, you know, to do the to have Halloween and to go home and, you know, trick or treat. And they think they're heading home, but they're not. And it's just the the fear, the feeling of the fear in that scene, especially with the the vampire kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it was it was uh, unnerving a little bit um, to know that that not only are the parents that malice, but the driver who looks like he's fed up with driving the kids who became the perfect person to, you know, hire, murder for hire <laughs> of all these poor children. You know what I mean? So that's basically what it was. Um, so, yeah, at the end, I'm, I was really shocked and sad when I first saw this movie that they ended up dying. I thought they were gonna like, I don't know, kill the dude, you know, and yeah. then probably get trapped or something in that quarry area or you know, where they ended up subsequently just dying by themselves from, you know, lack of food and having people to take care of them. And then they haunt the area, which is where I thought they were going to go with that scene. And then it took that dive, literal dive. Um, And yeah, no, it was, it's probably one of the coolest scenes. This whole scene with the kids and um, Rhonda and everybody talking about this part is just, I, I love it. So after this, we cut back to Lori and she's walking through the streets and you know, she's looking upset because she's seen a bunch of couples and, you know, she doesn't have anyone. And Lori uh, sits on a bench and her phone rings and it's her sister, Danielle, who's at a Halloween party that seems to be in the woods. And she tells Lori that 
there's a guy there who really wants to meet her. And Lori asks if he's young and cute. And Danielle says, yeah. And then it, it, it cuts to this you know bigger guy dressed as a baby wearing a diaper. And he gives her a thumbs up. So fun fact about this. I don't know if y'all knew this or not. Uh, maybe JR did if, if he did the research for it. Uh, the guy dressed as the baby is played by, uh, I may uh, screw his name up, C. Ernst Hearth. He played the giant baby in 13 Ghosts. Yeah, I did it off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> I recognized it. I was like, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> that's that's a great that's a great um, homage. You know, as we mentioned, that they played a lot of homages to previous horror films. And yeah. obviously it's just, you know, he plays a baby in 13 Ghosts, maybe here. And even, you know, shows up how much more insane it is that somebody like if you're a grown ass man, don't be a giant, don't play a giant baby. There's nothing cute about it. You look ridiculous. It reminds, I mean, not to get, you know, go on a quick wrestling tangent. It reminds me of that one time on, I think it was New Year's 1998, where Dustin Rhodes Dustin dressed up as a New Year's baby. It's just like, you're not cute with your bonnet and a diaper, kid. Stop. I'm just saying it's not cute. It's like, it's not funny or cute to me. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. I couldn't imagine leaving the house dressed like that. Yeah, it, it's it's off-putting, and then it plays on the whole man-child thing for me. It's just like, uh, it's not cute. It's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna shame anything anybody's into, but you know, you do you. <laughs> so what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom is your business. Just don't put it out in public. <laughs> um, <laughs> just don't be a giant baby. Come toward Jr. That's all he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Lori. She ends up seeing the masked vampire guy from earlier, and she makes eye contact with him a bit and b- before he ends up disappearing. And uh, while Danielle's on the phone, uh, she tells Lori to get her, you know, to get over to the party. And we see the cashier from the costume uh, shop from earlier, and she's he's in the background with Danielle. So after this, we cut back to the kids. We see Rhonda and Chip, and they're kind of sitting on the elevator, and we hear Helen in the distance. And Rhonda whispers, werewolves, foreshadowing. We see the elevator come back up and they get on and go down to the in, to the bottom of the rock query. And as they're going down, Macy is heard. Uh, and I think Macy Schrader and, and Sarah all heard kind of talking real bad about Rhonda. And uh, you can see like everybody's like jack-o'-lanterns like lit up in the fog. It's real foggy and stuff, but you can see the jack-o'-lanterns. And we hear Sarah scream, and she screams, help me, But and then her light goes out. Well, then Macy screams, uh, where's Sarah, and to run. And then after this happens, the uh, the elevator hits the bottom of the rock query, and you know, Chip is just scared shitless at this point. Uh, and he's at the bottom of the rock query, and he just wants to go back up. Well, Chip calls out to the others, and none of them say anything. So Rhonda goes ahead and gets out and says she's going to go investigate. And Chip just says he's going to stay behind. And so Rhonda just tells him to stay there. Man, how brave is Rhonda? Like, she just, she don't even care. She'll just, you know, <laughs> she'll just get off the elevator and go straight in, uh, straight in there to investigate. And Chip's just over here scared. She's uh, like, yeah. she's somebody you can tell that she embraces the, she embraces the, I would say the darkness. Like, hey, I hate to kind of still that, still that line from like the Dark Knight Rises, but yeah. <laughs> She'd be she'd be somebody I'd want to go into a dark alley with. I'm sure she has my back. I'm definitely a fan of Rhonda here. 
And we see like one of my another one of my favorite scenes. Like I'm telling you earlier, like the cinematography in this movie is absolutely amazing. As Rhonda approaches the lake, we see the top of the bus crash and mass floating in the water. And like I just love the whole image of the of half of the bus sticking out of the water, the, the all the fogginess and everything. Just everything, just the whole atmosphere of this movie is amazing. Rhonda ends up walking by the lake, and a hand grabs Rhonda. And then what appears to be like zombie children start attacking Rhonda and they chase her until she falls and she hits her head. And then it's revealed that the zombie kids are actually uh, Sarah Macy and Schrader who are just kind of playing a trick on on Rhonda. Well, Rhonda's really scared. And so Schrader stays with her and he's trying to, you know, make her feel better. And the others are going to go clean up. Well, Macy starts hearing voices and they soon realize that everything that they thought was fake is real. And the children from the uh, school bus massacre all kind of come out of the lake and they're all zombified and they chase them. Uh, they run back to the gate and, but Rhonda doesn't let them in. She has it all locked and they tell her to, to unlock the gate and she grabs a key and goes to sort of unlock it to pretend like she's going to unlock it. And she ends up pressing the button up and she goes back up and the kids are all screaming. And the, you can see the zombie kids in the background is kind of slowly approaching or approaching them. And as she reaches the top, you can hear like bone crunching and like bodies ripping apart and everything. And uh, Rhonda walks out and as she's walking out, we see Sam in the background and Rhonda kind of looks at him. And she just strolls on with her wagon with one pumpkin lit in it. All right. I have three things to say. Okay. One is you have to be a special kind of evil, sadistic a-hole to, like, lie in that water. Because I've seen cleaner public restrooms and public bodies of water than that rock quarry. That yeah, thing looks like it contained every every. Every type of sewage, algae, bacterial, parasitic infection you can possibly get in that water. So based on that, those kids deserve to die uh, because they 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 are you know sadistic human beings. The second thing is this: I have um, this is more of kind of like a crit, I guess like a criticism. So. This is a I'm assuming this is like a public this is a publicly owned or like a government owned area. You know, this rock quarry it's owned by like the city or county or whatever. This is the problem when you get too old and you start trying to take notes. Why do these kids have the key? This is something that should be like in the mayor's office. They should not have this key to this lift. <laughs> like this this should not be in any sort of civilian hands, this key. Um so the other thing was, as soon as she went up, if I was, I knew that basically death was coming towards me, I, I would have done everything I can to to grab those bars and go up with that, that right. on the outside. But the, but they and, don't. I stay there. <laughs> and the the last thing is, and this is what I talk about, like the gate is locked, right? Yeah. And as we saw in the beginning, she unlocks the gate or locks the door to go out when like originally before she gets scared. So as the kids, as you know, she runs back, the, the door is locked. But if you look as she goes up, as she exits the lift, she just opens the door. She doesn't unlock it. I guess that was a error. So that's one of the things I say. It's like the, it's like the Starbucks cup in game of Thrones. It's just yeah. like, ah, uh, like 
you know, nothing significant. But that was like the only, those are my three things I would say is like kids deserve to die because they're evil people for lying in that parasitic water. Um, these kids should not be. These, nobody should have the key to this lift. And as well as I would try to grab the ball, grab the bars from the outside. So after this, we cut back to Lori, who's walking down like a pumpkin lit path in the woods. And I love this scene as well. Like, you know, this is the, the kind of stuff I want. I want a, a house in the woods with a pumpkin lit uh, path to it. And uh, she notices that someone's following her and she kind of calls out for them, but no one comes out. And then we see the masked vampire appear behind her. And then we see we cut to Danielle, who's back at the Halloween party, and she has Janet with her. And she she seems kind of worried that Lori isn't there yet. And uh, Danielle mentions that her mom always said that she was the runt of the litter. And then we cut back to Lori, who is up against a tree as the vampire is attacking her, and he's kind of taunting her. And then he says the, the line, uh, my, my, what big eyes you have. Uh, and he ends up biting, her, uh, biting into her neck. And then we go back to the Halloween party in the forest, and there is a girl, and she screams, and a body falls from the trees. And it's wrapped in the red cloak that Lori's wearing that was part of her costume. Well, Danielle and the others run to it, and they pull back the hood to reveal it's the masked vampire. Hmm, wonder what's going on here. And he's kind of faintly mumbling, help me. And then we see Lori slowly walking through the crowd towards them. And Danielle says that she is late, and Lori apologizes, saying that it took longer than she thought it would. And uh, tells that the mass says that the mass vampire uh, a bitter. So then Maria, she walks over and she opens his mouth and she pulls out these fake vampire teeth from his mouth and uh, takes off his mask to reveal Stephen. Lori tells Stephen she's glad he's her first, and then Stephen asks, "Who are you people?" And uh, Maria chuckles and uh, she just kind of steps back and she reveals all everybody is dead. Steven's kind of horrified and uh, he screams and he tries to get up. But I guess his both of the legs are broken. You can kind of see the, you know, the, the bones sticking out of the flesh. And then like this is like one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie. Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams is kind of slowly playing in the background. And Lori uh, walks over to Steven and tells them that it's her first time and the others start kind of dancing around the fire and uh they slowly start changing they start like ripping off their flesh i I love the werewolf transformation scene in this movie where they're just kind of ripping off their skins if it's just like a costume or something and Lori gets on steven and she starts changing and uh she taunts steven by looking at him and she says my my what big eyes you have and then she goes in for the kill and then while this is going on, uh, you can see in the background Sam sitting on a log, and in one of, in another awesome imagery, he's kind of sitting there with a log, and there's in the background there's like this pumpkin carving on a stick with, with, on fire behind him, and I think that just like that added to it. So did y'all realize what they kind of played homage to in this scene? It's from the Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was Lost Boys because. <laughs> 
remember they all revealed to David that they were vampires and they killed all that group of kids around the, the camp around the fire. And then they're all around the fire t- turning into werewolves. See, and on, um, I'm kind of torn on this because I, I love it. And I, and there's, but I don't at the same time. And I'll tell same. you why. Same. So the, I love the fact that she dresses little red riding hood and then she's a, ro- a werewolf. Yeah. Like, I, I think I just, I think that's just amazing. And I like the concept of, you know, basically this guy who's is getting his just desserts. Yeah. This killer. The problem, the two parts I have with it is how he has fake things that he bought probably for twenty nine ninety nine at the at a Halloween you know spirit Halloween store. Yeah. How is he killing people with the with these things? Because it doesn't show anything like he That's had like, an eye or like that. This other thing was the issue I have with the werewolves is not that they're werewolves is the fact they're tearing off their skin like you know their their skin like it's a flesh costume. Like yeah. what happens when they transform back? That was the thing that kind of threw me off. It's just like you're ripping off your like you're not transforming like you're literally yeah. are like you're you know I mean I hate to give this comparison but it's to me kind of reminiscent of the bug from Men in Black. It's just like you're not going back to being human. Yeah. So that was the one that's that's the part that I kind of thrown off thrown off about it um, was the vampire with the fake teeth and then also the you know, werewolves ripping off their you know flesh like it's a costume. I, I think in some some respects, I would have thought it would have been, you know, ironic if they if all of them were vampires. Yeah. But then that kind of but then that takes away from Little Red Riding Hood being a wolf. So I don't for, know. I, I'm, for, I'm both ways. For me, I thought it would have been cool if the guy really was a vampire and she would have yanked out like his actual like incisors, like his, dog, you know, his canines. Yeah. Like, that would have been cool, like, to show that imagery of her just yanking the tooth out because, you know, there's always that feud within mythology, folklores, and movies of vampires versus werewolves. So I thought that would have been something that would have been kind of cool to see. For my play on it, um, I don't know if you guys watched Lovecraft Country. There's this part where there's a, there's a transformation scene. And thinking back on this movie, what if their transformation happened once a year and it transforms them into humans? Like, we weren't really sure how long they were human for. What if they were just werewolves this whole time, but on this specific day, they have to do, you know, or feed or whatever they need to do, and that's why they're shedding their skin. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it kind of played on something that I saw in that series, and, like, thinking about it and talking to you guys now, it could have been that, because when they shed it, I was like, yeah, they're not going to they're not going to revert back. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things where it wasn't like a clean transformation that you see what like lichens or things like that, like an underworld. Um, but unless they, that wasn't to begin with, their shape was actual werewolf and then transformation to a person was once a year, which goes with the whole fact that Halloween happens once a year. And this is all kind of happening in one night. It's funny that you mentioned underworld, you know, that the werewolves were designed by the same people who did the lichens in, in underworld. They're very similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still yeah. love that movie, though. So. Oh, yeah, it's great. So after this, we cut back and we see like a blood moon and we see another one of the comic strips saying earlier and we see some trick or treaters walking up to a house and they're scared before knocking. Well, the door slowly kind of unlocks and also in darkness is kind of the, the door opens up and there's just kind of darkness there. And we see two green eyes and. 
they kind of run away screaming after it runs after them. And we notice it's just a little dog in a costume and it's Mr. Clegg's house. And then we're pretty much getting like what we got earlier with uh, Stephen, except for from the other point of view. The dog runs off into the yard and Stephen throws the, the, the finger and he's seen eating it. And then Mr. Clegg goes back inside the house and he's kind of burning pictures and he's watching movies on the TV. You notice one of the movies that he's watching on TV is the original House on Haunted Hill. Oh, I didn't catch that. Now I got to go back and see that. So he ends up uh, hearing something, and this is where Sam ends up breaking into the house. And the house is kind of decorated like with Halloween memorabilia. And like I, I love this scene where it has like you know trick or treat written in like looks like blood like all over the walls. Sam ends up coming out, and he is uh, he ends up attacking Mr. Krieg who we have learned is the bus driver from the school bus massacre. No wonder he hates Halloween so much. Sam is attacking them, and they end up having this big fight. Mr. Klieg actually, like, uh, unmasks Sam, and we see, like, this demonic-looking pumpkin-headed, like, kid-like creature thing. Uh, Mr. Klieg ends up, like, shooting him with a shotgun. So after this, they uh, Sam and Mr. Klieg is getting... Uh, keeps fighting, and... Uh, Sam ends up uh, using the little – he ends up uh, pulling off a, a piece of wrapper uh, off of a candy, revealing a razor blade in it, and he ends up uh, slitting the Achilles tendon of Mr. Klieg. And what's awesome is this, another horror movie uh, homage. Uh, this is what Gage does to the old man in Pet Cemetery. I'm sitting here like I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm mad at myself because I like Pet Cemetery. There's so much homage. There's another Stephen King homage later I'll tell you about. They end up having this big fight, and then it ends with Sam goes to kill uh, Mr. Krieg, and he instead stabs a chocolate bar that landed on uh, that landed uh, in Mr. Krieg's lap, and he he's kind of uh, satisfied that you know he offered him candy, thus you know fulfilling the tradition of Halloween. So then Sam leaves. And uh, we can see photographs in the fireplace, you know, revealing that Creek is the bus driver that killed the eight children. So now we're reaching the end here. We start seeing all these other stories kind of intertwining. Uh, uh, we see uh, Creek giving out candy to children. As he's gazing in the neighborhood, he sees Rhonda pulling her pumpkin cart along the street. We see Billy handing out treats to other kids. And he sees Lori being dropped off by her sister and her friends. Uh, and he also sees uh, Sam watching Emma and Henry returning home from the party. And then so Mr. Krieg ends up uh, going back inside and he receives a knock on the door and he opens it. And it's the zombie children from the school bus massacre. And then we cut to the final shots of the movie showing Mr. Creed kind of being dismembered in like a comic book style strip. Uh, the kids, you know, finally getting their vengeance. And that is the end of Trick or Treat. I just wanted like kudos to the person, if it was the kid or the dummy or the special effects stunt crew. When he got shot blast, yeah. <laughs> Sam, and he, and he flew across the floor, it gets me every time because that kid is skidded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just skidded, hit the back of the wall, and he just looks so like, ah. 
I'm hurt. And I'm like, and, I, and, and for me, I'm like, don't kill him because I love Sam. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're an embodiment of Halloween. I want to take care of you. But the way he gets blasted is just the funniest thing. I had showed my mom at, um, when I, the first time we mentioned this on our list to watch, I, I got to that point. I was showing her because I'm, I'm painting Sam. So I was like, mom, this is who I'm painting. And then, I, of course, it had to be the shotgun blast. And she's yeah. like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, he's okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> So final I think that's one of the things I wanted. Yeah, I mean, I definitely love the way it ended. We're going back to the same way that we entered with the tile card and how we exited with the credits and the graphic novel. I yeah. think it's a perfect way to end. I definitely just echo those sentiments that for those of you know, if you haven't seen this film, which I hope you've seen it before you go through a review or if, and if you haven't put two and two together, you know, Sam is the embodiment of Halloween. You know, he represents everything that has to do with the hall with Halloween, the traditions, the pagan festival of Samhain. And, you know, that's what he's here for is to make sure, of course, those traditions are being followed. And I think that's one of the reasons why this film has such a cult following is because his character is so good. The, the actors, you know, whether it's the kid actors to the adult actors do an amazing job. One of the things I wanted to throw out there that was interesting and I wanted to wait till we get to the end. Did anybody realize that in this entire film, every single kill was done off camera? Yep. Yep. I, I was going to get on, get in on, on that too. So, um, that was to me was interest was like, it's funny because this film, I, without looking it up, I know it was rated R and because they show, you know, they show nudity, but yet all the kills are done off camera, which I'm just, you know, I actually think it, you know, it adds a very unique touch to it because to my knowledge, it's never been done in any other horror film. So yeah. I think that's what's great about it. So what I was saying earlier, Maria, to add more how this movie just plays homage to like all kinds of amazing horror movies. Uh, this is some, one that you'll love. I, uh, I wonder if you you'll figure it out. So there's one more Stephen King movie that it plays homage to. Did Rhonda's house look familiar to you? I mean, without the pumpkins or with the pumpkins? Because that's iconic. I've never seen anything else with all the pumpkins. <laughs> I guess like without the pumpkins, but also like the pumpkins pay homage to a certain thing. No, I, I don't know. I'm you like, don't know? no, okay. I'm like drawing a blank. The original Carrie. Ah, I should have just said it. The house, uh, when the house is lit with candles. Yeah. That's what they base it off of. That's such a good movie. The remakes were eh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care too much. The one thing I would say, <clears throat> I, one thing I would say is, I don't know if this is true because I know nothing about cars, but also supposedly the 1958 Plymouth Fury, Plymouth Fury from the movie Christine was also shown in yeah. this film. It was. Yes, it was. I forgot about that one. I yeah. saw the car. Yeah, I yeah. saw that one. The school bus story. It's an homage to uh, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And originally, instead of a, a, a rock query, it was supposed to be a, an overgrown cemetery with pumpkins. It would be a completely different scene. You know, when you think about it, if it was a pumpkin patch. Yeah. And um, man, I honestly could see it done a certain way where. You know, let's say if a school bus crashes in a pumpkin patch and all of a sudden the pumpkins like rise. So they're like pumpkin people. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been interesting. But um, I give this I'm assuming we're doing pumpkins, right? Yes, of course. 
Or we're broken pumpkin lollipops. Four broken lollipops. Okay. <laughs> I was say, I was trying to think of like you know pumpkins, but I also thought about pump, uh, the broken pumpkin lollipops because that's actually an iconic thing. I think not just here, but you can all you can also buy that at Spirit Halloween, the broken pumpkin lollipop. So um, whether what I'm, I think it's a great film. I think it's something that should be watched every Halloween as well. I think it embodies the different aspects of Halloween, the different stories. When you look at, you know, ghosts, you look at, you know, you know, you have werewolves, you have vampires, you know, the traditions of Halloween. It's a very iconic film. It definitely is. If you are a type of person that you want to celebrate 13 days of Halloween, you want to celebrate the 31 days of Halloween, Trick or Treat has to be somewhere in there. Even if you do like Halloween Eve, it two days like Halloween, Halloween and Trick or Treat are right there as far as the two most the two most important films. I think you should watch every October. Yeah, I agree. Maria, definitely gonna give it uh give it four four candy lollipop pumpkins bit yeah. into small razor blades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just it's one of those movies where I didn't know it existed for a long time. Um, the first time I saw it, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Sam's character. He's kind of like how I felt all the time, loving Halloween and nobody else understanding it. So it was one of those things where I'm just like, oh, man, you guys will get it. Halloween is amazing. Like, dude, don't disrespect Halloween. You know, so when I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, you're like my little spirit animal. I get you, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, no, the movie is great. It's one of those movies that you need to add on to your, your Halloween list of movies that day uh alongside like things like nightmare before christmas and you know if you're into watching halloween and and nightmare on elm street and stuff like that it's just one of those perfectly put together movies that you can see with a group of friends and just have fun on halloween night yeah i agree before i give my rating a couple more interesting little facts about the thing that just kind of like this whole movie like there's there's a bunch of foreshadowing throughout the whole film at the beginning of the film, when the girls are going to the party and they're dropping Lori off, uh, Danielle tells her date to meet them at Sheep's Meadow. This is foreshadowing because it plays off the idiom, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, that's cool. I saw this one thing where the kids in the bus were actual um, kids with mental disabilities and having yeah. Real, like, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that's they, crazy. They, they apparently like uh yeah like they all had fun filming the movie and they apparently like uh pretty much uh looked at uh, pictures of kids with disabilities on Halloween who made like their own homemade costumes and that's how they came up with the ideas for their costumes. Which plays into the fact that it's just like there's some creepy costumes toads you know like I love how they yeah. just they probably inspired them very greatly by giving them some old photos and they just had fun with it but I'm glad they were able to do that role and had fun with it too. Oh yeah. Also, last one. So I was saying earlier when I said that when you see Mrs. Henderson's house and I told you to pay attention to who's in the background. So if you look at the werewolf at the werewolf uh, uh, woods party in the background, you can see a hot dog costume and uh, and other people from that party. And you and Miss Mrs. Henderson is also one of the girls that's a werewolf. Oh, OK. <laughs> yep. Yep, so all the people at the party all all were there at the woods party, all got killed too. 
I like the um, when you brought the whole CGI thing, uh, not CGI, but the lichens and werewolves and yeah. um, from Underworld. I like how there's a comment where the guy said he wanted to do practical transformations because he says CGI transformations are hot garbage. I love yeah, that comment. Exactly. They <laughs> are though. They do practical, yeah, practical over CGI every day. Every day, every day. Well, this has been fun. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, I am going to give it five broken lollipop, uh, pumpkin lollipops out of five. As I said before, this is like, I'm probably biased, but this is like one of my favorite movies of all time. So, you know, I think it's a wonderful Halloween movie. Uh, I love all four stories. Uh, I really hope that they get to make the sequel. Uh, it's in development. I don't know when it's going to be made, but it's based off of the graphic novel. Like I said earlier, Trick or Treat, Days of the Dead. I highly recommend if you if you're interested in reading graphic novels to pick up the Trick or Treat Omnibus uh, on Amazon. Twenty dollars. It's amazing. Thank you all for listening to this, and we it and all the support we've had so far. And also a uh, shout out for the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. We're very happy to be a part of them, and all the other shows that are a part of it especially our friends, uh, Scream Queens. And we hope that everybody checks them out and listens to all the other shows on the network. Maria, you have any last minute plugs? Um, no, I'm just really glad and excited that they um, reached out to us and we're part of this new network of amazing uh, podcasters. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, what we're doing and working on for the end of the month and a lot of the reviews that are coming up. So. Oh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to what we have planned because this wraps up our October and we're moving on to November. And next episode, we'll be talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Maria's happy about that one. That was actually her pick to do that one. We're not doing the remake. We're doing the the original. Yeah, it's classic with Johnny Depp. I love that movie. Exactly. It's it's Pennywise, um, Freddy and Chucky are like my top. But Sam is like my king, though. <laughs> he's my king on top though you know but in my horror villains uh definitely like freddy is one of my favorites also uh we are starting in november we're going to be going weekly so you'll be getting a show every friday instead of every other friday yes so yes very excited about that once again thank you all for joining us and until next time stay creepy and we must uh, bid you adieu goodbye and good night. Bang. <laughs>